छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely. I'm Rias Hall. So, Rias. Yes. Should, I, should I go first? Should I tell you about what I've been watching? Yes, because I <laughs> don't remember watching anything. I've had a rough day. I understand. <laughs> so, um, Jim and I, Handsome Husband Jim, and I watched the entirety of the Witcher series. And I really enjoyed it. Really? Uh, a lot more than I thought I was going to. And um, I loved all the dresses. <laughs> which I hated seems... all the dresses. Oh, I loved them. Loved them all. And, and I really loved the show, and it uh, encouraged Jim to play the game more, <laughs> which yeah. didn't surprise me because he really likes playing the game. Yeah. Um, and I'm all caught up on uh, Evil, which is still fun, but getting a little more ridiculous, and I'm enjoying it. Evil? evil is a it's a TV show um, where I it is um, kind of a paranormal slash religious procedural drama. Oh. Okay. Where this woman is hired by um, this man who is uh, on on route to becoming a priest, and they do investigations for the church. Oh, cool! Um, and uh, she got hired because she worked with like psychologists and would uh, do. Um, I don't think she's actually technically a lawyer. She's just used as a is like a referring witness um, for different things within the courts, and she stopped doing that. And um, it's kind of got like weird religious and devil things happening. And there was like a really weird devil moment in me that that uh-huh. in, the, in the show that super charmed me. And oh, now they're and kind of like no, I don't know. And now, but now they're kind of beating it like a dead horse, and it's oh, I'm yeah. finding it less charming. But I really enjoyed it up to that point, and it has. God, I always forget. It's like something because his name is so ridiculous. It's <laughs> it's the guy who played Luke Cage, which is Mike. I have no idea. Something, and but he's got this really innocuous name, so I always forget it. But it's got him, and it's got the guy who played uh, Linus and Lost. Um, and it's got uh, this guy who used to be on. Oh, that guy's great. Yeah, I know. So it's got him, and he's ridiculously evil, and it's fun. Oh, I love that guy. Um. And uh, for movies, I went and saw uh, Gretel and Hansel. Did you like and that? I fucking loved it so much. It is it is very on par with the rest of his movies. So See, I don't and think I didn't like, like the, his other movies. Yeah, so, so it I'm might not, not be sure. for you. It might not be for me. So, but it's um, in all honesty, it's a beautiful kind of spooky, slow moving girls coming of age story. Totally was just my jam, and absolutely aesthetically, there's a lot of things that you really like with it. If the story doesn't work yeah. for you necessarily, yeah. um, I know well, we. I'm both... willing to watch it. I just haven't <laughs> um, went to see Little Women, which I have seen most of the. Um, I'm it was never a big. I, I didn't like. I think I read. I, Little I read Women. the book in school. I didn't yeah. like it. I didn't like it enough that I have never no. revisited it in any way. Okay, and I've seen 
a couple of the variations of it. And I think that this more current, most current movie um, really did justice to all of the characters in a way that I've never, it's always kind of been Joe's story with everybody else playing these side characters. And this movie really embraced every other sister. Oh, that's nice. Um, And so, and it, um, it isn't completely linear. So it isn't like starting with them as children, working up to adulthood. Uh There's a lot of um, going back and forth in their timeline, which I think tells a more interesting story. I agree. But I've heard a lot of people say it was confusing. But then they're going to see Birds of Prey, and that last timeline jumps all over the place. So I think they're just jerks. So that was going to be the next thing. I, I it was we also went to see Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. which I just was delighted. And I haven't really enjoyed like the rest of the films in that series. Um, I was telling Jim that I absolutely like I hadn't seen any of them, and I didn't like Suicide or and I hadn't seen Suicide Squad. He's Suicide like, Suicide no. Squad is terrible. No one should see it. And, and he laughed because he's like, Honey, you watched it with me. It was just so boring. And I'm like, It's so boring. I completely forgot that I had seen it. Right. <laughs> but it was fun and funny, and I I loved seeing um, Rosie Perez, and I loved all the women in it. It was right, just- and I like the things that I liked about it were things like. There's that scene where that woman is forced to get on the up on that table and dance, and they rip her clothes off, and you never see her body. Oh God! There's no male gaze in that scene, and that there's is not a lot of male gaze. Stunning, yeah. And but you still really got how really really frightened she was. Absolutely, because all because of it, it was yeah. It was nothing that was done for like titillation or male gaze. It was done for showing how really scared. <laughs> How really scared he was, she was of him. Yeah. Yeah. I, but there was a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the uh, last thing that I saw was, um, and I typically don't really like to uh-huh. cover things I didn't like, but I watched The Dead Don't Die and it was just totally not my jam. And I really like Jim Jarmusch and it, it felt like this rehash of laughing at the the zombie genre, except it just felt dated and not funny. And I don't know. It just, yeah. it just wasn't for me. Um, there were a couple of like super, you can't have the quality and the caliber of actors and actresses that I had in the movie and not hit a couple of notes every here and there. But as a whole, I didn't enjoy it. And I, I actually almost, I turned it off once like 15 minutes in, it was like, oh, screw this. Uh-huh. This just isn't for me. And, and I kind of felt committed. I was like, oh, I just kind of, you know, I want to give it another yeah, shot. Push my way through it. Push my way through it, you know, and I just, it was not my jam. And to there are a couple of people out there I've seen talk about really enjoying it, and I'm glad that it exists for them. I just didn't love it. That's how I felt about Witcher. I really oh, wanted really? to like okay. it. And I just did not. Yeah. I felt like... Oh, of course, now she's a powerful wizard. She gets to be beautiful. That mm. seemed cheesy. Um, I didn't like the dresses because <laughs> it's supposed to be a fantasy world and they all literally look like they were made by people on Project Runway. Yeah. Like the one with the rope on it was a gorgeous dress, but it's clearly, clearly the use weird materials to make a dress challenge dress. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, here's some ropes and some hot glue. Make a dress. Oh, um, on a different note, I uh, also am completely caught up on uh, The Outsider. 
um, which is on HBO. It oh, is, yeah, uh, that's a Stephen King Yeah, thing. and I'm kind of digging it. Oh, cool. It's, um, but I keep trying to get Jim to watch it, and he's like, mm, no, I just it doesn't look like my bag. He goes, it's too, too, too true crimey for me. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and there's a supernatural bit, but it's, I think, too... True crimey for him. Too, yeah, true crime and dire. Mm. Um, yeah, that's why I could never watch Battlestar Galactica. Nothing good ever happened no. to anyone on that show ever. And I'm like, I just can't handle this. It's just a deluge of sadness. That was what you've seen. If you oh, want yeah. to comment on any of it. Um, oh, I, I, and I did, um, I started uh, the new Harriet movie because I... Harriet the Spy? Harriet Tubman. It's a movie oh, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. her. Yeah. Um, and I started it and it just felt really jarring um, because... It felt, and this is going to sound weird, but it felt like presenting Harriet Tubman's sad life via the Hallmark channel or something. It felt oh, so clean. yeah, it felt clean and, and nice. And, and I'm and like, I'm like. That woman was a badass. Yeah, and it and just it felt just so didn't... sterile and sanitized. And yeah. it may get a lot better than that first 20 minutes, but it put me off so much yeah. that I didn't watch any more of it and it might be better. I, yeah, I felt that way watching the trailer. I was like, it just didn't feel right to me. No. So, yeah, it was just not not my jam. <laughs> I can fix that. Did you see? I got, I got a sparkly new phone case. That's that a I'm really showing. nice sparkly phone case. <laughs> I, have, I have sparkly glitter needs. <laughs> so what I've been watching is I don't know much about hip hop music being a 55 year old white lady go figure um, who grew up in a town where everyone else where it was only white people and so I'm learning I mean I know a lot about the early break in New York stuff. Yeah. But I don't know anything about like Atlanta, Georgia hip hop or yeah. New Orleans hip hop. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So I've been watching this show on called Hip Hop Evolution. Ooh. And every episode is focuses on a different I mean the for early ones was like different people and this season it's different places. Oh, so you awesome. see what New Orleans bounce is and you see what these other kinds of music are. And it's really good. There's interviews with the people who were there who made this music. That's and awesome. I've I've kind of looked into stuff like that less from the music scene and more from like the breakdancing scenes. Right. Um, yeah. Which a lot of that kind of goes hand in hand, and you get to see how mm -hmm. the different musical styles in the different areas form different dance styles. Right. We watched a really good documentary about. Well, it wasn't really good. It was half good. <laughs> we watched a documentary about Boogaloo Shrimp, who was one of the dancers back then. And the first half of the documentary is great because they've got footage and interviews with all these people that worked with him and lots of footage of him dancing in films. And then all of a sudden, the second half of the film is just one long interview with him. And it's, it's not like it's a bad interview. It's just like it's a talking head which with that, little to break up the the thing. That it just gets rough yeah, after a while. Yeah, it just got a little rough. It was a good documentary. Um, let's see what else have I been watching. Um, there's a show that I found called Dark Matters: Twisted but True, and it's hosted by John Noble. And I love me some John Noble. 
And uh, it's one of those shows where they're like, let's talk about this weird thing. And then they they uh, do a lot of research on it and they talk about it. The one I've watched last week was about MK Ultra, which was the government program where they experimented on people using LSD. Oh. And people were killing themselves and jumping yeah. out of windows. Yeah, and was that done within the army? Some of it. Some of it, yeah. Some of it was just done in a French village. <laughs> Sorry, people. On civilians. Oof. Without their knowledge. Yeah. And they tried to blame it on ergot poisoning, and they're like, wait a minute, no. But it was a really good documentary because it's super well-researched. Yeah. It's not like those UFO shows. Which are not so well researched. So actually, yeah, I learned new things from it. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, and uh, I've been watching a lot of Critical Role content. Because, and you're still really enjoying it? Oh my god, I'm so hooked. It's really sad. <laughs> so I have my own Critical Role that I've been like listening to, but it's it's not. Critical Which role. It's it? completely different, but it's a podcast called Switchblade Sisters that is oh, hosted yeah. uh, by April Wolf, who was the co-writer for the New Black Christmas. Uh, and that's been I, for a long time. Yeah, it's been along for about two years, and it's really neat because uh, as um, she was a film critic for quite a while, mm-hmm. and she also participates in a couple of. Um, uh, other podcasts that kind of are all about the movie scene there and mm-hmm. and such. But in this, she focuses on uh, interviewing one other woman who is involved in uh, creation of cinema in one sure. format or another. It can be a writer, actor, um, uh, producer, and so forth. Uh, and they, they talk about their favorite genre film. But the genre, genre, the use of the word genre is pretty loose and 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 um Mm -hmm. so i mean there's been uh the one i was listening to do today was talking about carrie um and and but she has people from all over and one of the more interesting ones and and it's funny listening to the how the take difference uh, differs from talking to really new young people and how they Mm -hmm. talk about their creative process right versus talk they talk to um the director who did Real Genius and uh, mm-hmm. the director who did like Valley Girl. Right. Um, and they're, you know, women who have been in the industry for, you know, 30 years, um, if not 40. And, you know, they're less, they're less feelings about everything. They're like, no, I just did my job really fucking well. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't get right. to have that many feelings about yeah. it. Like I just had to be fucking awesome. Right. Because um, you have to be more awesome than the men. men. Yeah. Because... Absolutely. You're held to a, a different standard. Yes, to be seen as comparable in any mm-hmm. way. Um, what is that? God God grant me the... Uh, <laughs> God grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man. Um, but it's also uh, interesting um, just to hear... Like, I, I kind of like that when you get to hear people talking about, like, how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. In in a sense of like different parts of the movie industry and like what the reality is of how things are done because I've kind of stayed away from that a lot of times because it seems like magic to me and I kind of don't want that curtain parted to see yeah, behind yeah. it too much exactly but it is I still know, enlightening I know how films are made I've talked to filmmakers I've been on movie sets yeah I don't want to get too far into that. Because you still want to just enjoy the film. Because I want to be able to enjoy the films. Like, for example, I just watched Parasite. And I really liked it, but 
in there were a few scenes where it took me out of the film because the production design was so good. <laughs> I was like, this shot, which is a wonderful problem to have, but weird. Yeah. No, yeah. it's like there's a shot, there's a couple of shots where they're in the really rich people's house, and you're looking across a room and you're seeing what three different people are doing, and none of them can see the others, but the shot is lined up perfectly so you can see what they're doing, and it's gorgeous. But also so well coordinated that I'm like, oh my god, that's that is a like, beautiful shot. That and it's like it reminded me of a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. In the way that the the sets were designed and the way that the camera was moving through them and interacting with them. Yeah. With Parasite, I kind of had to make the decision um, to. I ended up removing my rating. Uh, that I put on Letterbox and just marked it as watched because I completely recognize that it's a beautifully done movie. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like it um, because it's upsetting to me. That kind yeah. of like... I really liked it. Yeah. And I realized I did not want to put two stars on there. Right. Because that movie didn't deserve the fact that it made me sick to my stomach and uncomfortable. Yeah, you're not criticizing the film at that point. Yeah, you're yeah. Your and so it really made me think about, um, you know, that I think there's going to be movies out there where I'm like, mm, I don't want to be part of the crew out there saying this isn't, don't, dude. Don't no. start the meowing, Max. He's like, I do what I want. I like Meow. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He loves, like, when we were up yeah. here talking, that's yeah, like, he loves. He wants to be involved in the conversation. Do you? Yes. All right. Come on. Come on. Apparently, let me he's clear got, a spot for you, little the, kitty. Come on. No. <laughs> you are ridiculous. Um, But yeah, so no, I, oh, I and so. I made it like three quarters of the way through it and I had to leave the theater just because it was making me anxious and not in a good way. But I absolutely recognize that it's a fantastic and and, yeah. and utterly deserving yeah. of, of all the awards and accolades yeah. it's won. And if it gets people watching foreign films, all the fucking better. Oh yeah, there are some amazing other Korean films. There's a film called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which is kind of a Western, but there's motorcycle, oh, motorcycles Christ. in it. There's like a gang of <laughs> Mongols riding across the plains. It's a, got a train robbery. It's got everything in it. It is an excellent film. So I am going to take a moment here. Right. Do you have anything else that you've been watching lately that you want to bring up? No. Because you set me up perfectly. All right. All right. So the, um, oh. I can't remember which one of us thought of this a while ago, but I've been holding on to it for just a time when it came up. Favorite scenes in horror movies. Maybe not even your... Dude, stop. No. Um, <laughs> favorite scenes in horror movies. And it doesn't even need to be like a favorite movie, but just a, a scene that stayed with you long after the fact. And my very first one is from Old Boy, another Korean uh, oh. movie. So, um, kind of, a, I'm, is it going to, do we need to give a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode? This is going to have spoilers all the fuck That's what it. I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 We're going to have Jim just spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. And just even at the beginning of it, just have a spoiler alarm going off. Yeah. This is a spoiler. Heavy alert. episode. Yeah. Because there's no way to talk about a scene that's In a film without talking about, about the film. Yeah. Yeah. Though, um, one of the things that I really love in Switchblade Sisters is she goes, you know, listen to this even if you haven't seen the movie because um, 
knowing what happens isn't important as how it happens. Like when you're watching yeah. a film sometimes. I'm not that way. I like sometimes don't even like watching trailers because I just don't want to know sometimes yeah. going into things. Well, anyway, so and uh, with a couple of these movies, because I kind of just really stayed with some really favorite scenes. And I'm probably going to give just a quick, um, quick quickish synopsis of the movie. So Old Boy um, starts off with uh, this man who is on his way kind of home to like his daughter's fourth birthday party. And on his way there, he is kidnapped and imprisoned. And he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why he's being kept there. He's kept for a very, very long, long time. I think 14 years or 15 Something years. Something like that. Um, and um, he is working that whole time to try and escape. He doesn't know why he's there. Um, he's kept in this room, like, with no contact from anyone. And it almost kind of slowly goes mad over this time. And then suddenly he is sedated um, at a point in the movie and is released out into the world again. And it is in a suit. And um, he spends, has no idea. And he has no idea yeah. about anything. And um, as he's searching through the city, trying to find out why he was imprisoned, there is this moment where um, he goes into, I think this building, he's like in, I believe, like the basement of the building. And there is this scene where he has been cornered by this, just a, a throng of men with weaponry. Mm. And they've all got like pipes and, and um, uh, what do they call the knuckles? Brass knuckles. And they're all just armed to the gills. And all he has is a hammer. And this scene plays like a side scroller in a video game. Wow. Of yeah. fighting his way through this group of men, one man by himself yeah. against like 20 or 30. And one of the things that I appreciated in it is it's a lot like Green Room, where all of the violence is gross and horrifying and ugly in what getting hurt like that mm -hmm. actually is versus a cinema created version of it. It is brutal and ugly and vicious. And it goes on for a little while. It goes on for like almost four minutes. Yeah. Have, have you seen the raid? It's kind yes. of like mm -hmm. that. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just super violent. I never watched that until Jim was the yeah. one who got me to watch it. I think it's from, it's, I think it's Hong Kong if I'm not mistaken, but I could be, but I know it's, oh, it's, we know it French. No, 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 it's not French. It's, um, why did I think they were speaking French at a point? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm being crazy, crazy. But it is an amazing, and it has, the raid has a bunch of the guys that um, have little moments in um, The Last Jedi. Um, oh, yeah. They show yeah, up they in the, those yeah, movies. Yeah, they're, they're like, like oh, wait after. a minute. That's the guy from The Raid. I yeah. know. Yeah. But anyway, it's just, it's it's vicious and violent, and, and typically that isn't my jam when, like, watching a movie, but it was so fucking well done, and it was so yeah. stylized in a way that it just blew my fucking mind. So there, there's my first scene that I love. All right. I've got a whole list of scenes that I love. <laughs> Probably my favorite is in the film Near Dark. Uh-huh. In the bar. So You I, know what I mean? I you do. You know the exact scene I mean. I do I mean. know the exact scene that you mean. I almost showed, I was going to show a movie this week for, because um, it's Valentine's on Horror uh -huh. Movie Friday, and I was going to show Near Dark. Oh, I love that movie but, so much. So Near Dark is going to be played really soon. But yeah, the, mm -hmm. they have a different... But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, also a movie directed by a woman. Yes. 
Um, but the, the the group of vampires in Near Dark are so fucking amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just. Yeah. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Lance Henriksen. And Lance, Lance Henriksen and Bill Paxton are amazing. And this in this scene, probably my favorite part of the scene is there's this vampire named Severn. Oh. Played by Bill Paxton. And he is, they shoot him, and he just gets up on the bar and starts walking toward the guy that shot him. And he's got a pair of spurs on, and he cuts the guy's throat by kicking at him with the spurs. And it is so cool. (laughs) I know that I'm not supposed to be glorifying things, but oh my god, it is so cool. It is, it is. That is a scene which I have purposefully put in the DVD, not watch the movie, and just skipped to that scene because it's <laughs> like comfort. It's like messed up comfort food. So, so that is one of my favorite film scenes of all time, time, of any film. So one of the things that I did, and what I might do after the fact with yours, is I created YouTube playlists for the ones that I created, and I'm going to see if I can do that with, with your list, too. Oh, cool. So that we can each have our yeah. favorite, favorite scenes playlist, and we can put it in the uh, links for the episode. So I'm going to go to my next one. So my next one is um, a scene in Cat People from 1942. So um, Cat People... I I know which scene. uh, Well, I don't know. I'm waiting to find out. Okay. So um, in Cat People, there's a young woman who is a Serbian um, artist. And she uh, meets this young man. Um, they, They fall in love and get married. All while she's very, very worried about becoming... Uh, sexual with him in any way because she comes from a group of people um, in Serbia um, or anyhow, but uh, that were known for when they became impassioned of turning into panthers. And she's, she's very worried and she tells him about this and thinks that she is descended from them. Um, And, uh, so as they, they get married, they don't consummate their relationship. Um, and her husband has the secretary at work who he's kind of getting a little closer with. Um, and all the while, his wife is becoming very jealous of her. And there is a point in which uh, the secretary is going home and the new wife is following her and follows her to her apartment building. And there is a pool in the basement. She says she's going to go swimming. And so um, the the woman who is working kind of as the concierge for the building, you know, shows this little kitten uh, mm-hmm. and, and directs her to the pool and says that it should still, she might have to turn on the light, but it's still open. She doesn't turn on the light. <laughs> First mistake. And, and, and she starts to get nervous as she's going to the pool because she kind of feels like there's somebody coming after her. And she starts seeing things in the shadows. And then... And then, as she gets more yeah. frightened, she jumps into the water and kind of stays in the middle of the pool. I imagine thinking yeah. if anybody comes in there, they would have to come yeah. through the pool to yeah. get to her. And they would be have a difficulty doing that. And they're, and, and she's hearing these panther roars and seeing these shadows flickering, but she right. never quite you never sees quite, anything. You never quite get a glimpse of what there, of what, whether there's actually a panther in there, whether it's this other woman, you don't really see anything clearly. You just get flickers of it. And I think that's a great way to present yeah. a horror film. And it was just the, the, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the scenes, it's just a sense of peril. Right. It's just done really well. Right, because I have, love. 
you've been, if you've ever been in a building, like an office building or something, at late at night and you're the only person there, yeah. it is super creepy. Yeah. And you really, this this scene really does a good job of making you feel that. Yeah. Of, of saying, oh yeah, I know that feeling of being somewhere and then suddenly realizing I'm somewhere completely alone and... And I'm not no, safe. And I'm not safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So off to you. All right. Uh, let me see what I got. All right, I'm gonna go for something else. I'm gonna go with Lucio Fulci's movie Zombie. I've never seen this. In the UK, I believe it's called Zombie 2. And the reason for that is that, um, Night of the Living Dead, when it was re- released in the UK, was called Zombie. Hmm. So then when Lucio Fulci made his movie that was called Zombie, Night of the Living Dead had done pretty well, so they just put a 2 after it. I know, then you get to capitalize. So, a lot, it leads to a lot of confusion at the video store. <laughs> I don't want the sequel. I want Zombie 2. No, I'm telling you, it's Zombie. So that happens a lot. And this movie is a Lucio Fulci film. It's a little slow moving at parts. It's got some real gross stuff. Somebody gets their eye stabbed out with a piece of glass and you get amazing, amazing special effects shots of the glass going toward the eye. But the best thing in this film, the thing that puts it over the top, is a zombie and a shark get into a fight. (laughs) Now, the sad thing, the thing that does really bother me about it is they actually threw a stuntman and a shark in a pool and the guy did kill the shark with a knife for the filming. I believe that's what happened because that's what looks like it's happening. But nonetheless, you've got some poor idiot in full zombie makeup in what is supposed to be the ocean, but you know, it's clearly a blue swimming pool. Chasing after a shark. The shark kind of attacks him, but yeah, it is. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just, there's, there's. It's something else. I can't remember. I know it was one of the Val Luton movies, but there was the scene where, where, panthers attack and they kind of just throw the cat and it's not like that i I know but it's like yeah (laughs) that shark attacked him bump him get get him so i like that scene (laughs) i'm hoping that maybe they didn't really kill a shark for it but we don't know but we don't know and back then when it was made in the 70s there wasn't any aspca keeping an eye out on animals yeah um, and plus over there, they just, you know. Yeah. It was a... Plus a, Italy a in the... Yeah, yeah. Italy in the 70s. Anything could happen. Insane things happened. We've all... <laughs> we've all seen Caligula. <laughs> just putting that out there. Start it out there. <laughs> all right. So my next one is... Um, I think I've talked about the fact that I did not see the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in, in the proper order. I actually saw Dream Warriors first. And so with that, I was pretty unprepared when I actually saw the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which mm-hmm. is just so much more frightening than oh, any of the other so elements. much more scary. It's before Freddy Krueger was it's a comedy, goofy. was a goofy comedy guy. Yeah. And and so we've hit the point in the movie where um, a couple of the kids have been killed. Um, and Nancy has realized at this point that he is attacking her in, in her dreams. And so she's trying not to sleep anymore. And she ends up going to school. And falls asleep in class. And it starts out with normal everyday 
uh, class with yeah. Lynn Shay teaching her English and, and they're reading Shakespeare. Uh, and it has this male student standing up at the class, front of the class reading. And then all of a sudden you realize that she's fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and you see a body being dragged past, don't you? Yeah. There's um, all of a sudden her friend who has been killed is in the body bag outside of the door. And you hear the boy. The boy is still intoning. Oh. Whoa. I have everything on a playlist. <laughs> uh-huh. And that was the screaming from cat people. Um and uh, so she starts, like, her friend all of a sudden is dragged away, and there's this pool, this, like, uh, little stream of blood from her mm-hmm. from him being That's dragged away in the body. It's, it's, it's a, a big stream. stream. It's, not, it's not small. <laughs> and she starts following it, and she and she looks, and her friend is right on a corner, and she's laying on the ground in this body bag, and all of a sudden the legs lift up, and it just drags away. Yep. And there's just, between... The dream moments in the classroom where mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything's fine to all of a sudden everything's not and it's different and it's weird. And there is just, you know, even the rest of the yeah. scene that happens, but it's the, it's her friend like with her hand pressed against, against the slightly translucent body bag, mm-hmm. just pressing her hand against it. And then just the body dragging down of yep. its own volition yeah. that just make it so, so fucking scary. scary and uncomfortable. For me, the scene in Nightmare Before Elm Street that always gets me is the scene where they're in the alley and Freddy Krueger stretches his arms out and That's they just, just become giant arms reaching it, to either side of the alley. I don't know why like, it should be ridiculous, no. but it's not. Yeah, you're like, that should be ridiculous and funny, but it is scary. It is so scary. Because I think the things that scare me are not... Things that can actually happen, but things that shouldn't be. be. Yeah. Things that shouldn't be. And that's shouldn't that's be. my scene from that movie. That should not be. <laughs> that shouldn't be. No. All right. So what's your next one? Um, let's see. Um, I was never sure when doing this if we were going to be talking about scenes from good scenes from bad movies or just scenes we liked. So my list is kind of encapsulates sure. a lot of both. Um there is a movie that is one of the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe movies called Tomb of Ligeia. Oh. And in this movie, the leading character, the actress, is riding her horse through this ancient, through this ruined church, like you do. And uh, she falls off the horse in the graveyard. And Vincent Price comes over, sees her there, and picks her up and carries her into this beautiful, old... It was filmed on location in England, so it's an actual ruin. It's not a Roger Corman ruin. (laughs) Made out of cardboard. Cardboard. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just that entire sequence takes my breath away. It's technicolor. She's wearing this red velvet dress, and it's just so beautiful. And Vincent Price is so tall and menacing and terrifying. And that scene is my favorite single scene from any of the Roger Corman Poe movies. It's just breathtaking to me. Were Were you coming to the Horror Movie Fridays when we showed Tomb of Ligia? No. Well, then I'm going to have to show it again, because I will. Well, okay. I can watch <laughs> it again, but I warn you, I did just take a... Just teach some okay. classes on well, it, and I've watched it maybe, a bunch of times. Maybe later. So maybe we wait maybe till... Later. <laughs> maybe Maybe it'll be a winter film. So yes, I love Tomb of Ligeia. So, 
Um, this is both a scene from a movie that I love because it's striking, but it's also a scene from a movie that gave me a PTSD attack so badly that like I literally had nightmares and and I had a crying jag. <laughs> oh, good! That's always a good yay time. yay. Uh, it is Night of the Hunter. Uh, oh, because Robert Mitchum is a scary, scary motherfucker. As, yes, he is. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> so um, in Night of the Hunter, uh, you have two criminals are in jail. And one criminal starts talking about the fact that he had uh, stolen a whole bunch of money and socked it away somewhere. And it's it's kind of nebulous as to where that money went. So when Robert Mitchum uh, leaves jail, he starts trying to find where that money is. And he seeks, um, and I think the guy dies in jail. Does he? Yeah, he the dies. Guy, the he's, hang, he's, yeah, hanged. he's hanged in jail. Yeah. And so he seeks out uh, his widow um, and woos her and marries her. Um, and they have two children. And hijinks ensue. Uh, the, the mother ends up dead. Um, and the children run away and they go down the river in this beautiful scene, which is beautiful on its own. This it is a movie. beautiful scene. It's weird fairy tale scene. It does go on a little too long, long. if you ask me. But it is an amazing, beautiful fairy tale of yes. a scene. So they end up with uh, one of the Gish sisters in her old age. Um, I think it's Lillian. I could be wrong. But it's one of the Gish sisters as a little old lady. And she plays this elderly woman who takes in lost children and takes in children who don't have anywhere to go. And she has got them there and she's put them to bed for the night. And they have told her the story of of what's happening and that they're Mm -hmm. afraid of their stepfather. Um, And he shows up at the house. And she has a shotgun over her knee. Uh-huh. And she's just sitting on the porch waiting for yep. him. And they start singing this old, this old, like... An old hymn, yeah. An old hymn. Uh, I think leaning or something. Leaning on the everlasting arms. And they just sing it together. And it is so fraught. Oh, um, it's... It and is it's, amazing. And it's... But it's just... It's terrifying. And, right. And, and Night of the Hunter isn't strictly speaking a horror film. It's a film noir with horror elements, elements. but mm-hmm. oh my God, it is so good. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's where you get the the picture of the guy with good and evil tattooed on each of his hands. Yeah. That comes from that movie. Robert Mitchum's character is a preacher. And it's, it's really heartbreaking because I don't think it did very well uh, when it first came out, which is, I think, part of the reason why he didn't direct anymore. Is that part of the reason? Yes. Okay. But anyhow, but it's a beautiful scene. And um, unfortunately, I have some childhood memories of somebody being outside of my house with a gun that uh, that that triggered. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a beautiful scene, though. But it is a beautiful scene. And 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 it's it's weird in a way that you wouldn't think this would be so threatening. And yet it is. Yeah. There you are. Um, And the Film. Who directed that? It's that actor that it I was. Like. His, it, yeah, it was uh, the guy that played the Hunchback. Yeah, and it was Ilsa Lanchester's. Ilsa uh, Lanchester's husband, gay husband. <laughs> yes, and God, sorry, I, 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 I can't, can't remember names tonight. No, this me is going to make this very challenging. 
Um, but all, but the guy, the director did not like the children, so all of the scenes with children in them were actually directed by the guy playing the villain. Oh, by Robert Mitchum. That's Robert crazy. Mitchum. Also, they didn't call cut during that movie, so even in between sets, the cameras were running, so there is a million hours of extra footage for that in the uh, film and television archives in L.A. I want that. I want to see them, but I don't have a million hours, and I'm not going to L.A. anytime soon. <laughs> I'm trying to... Okay, so it's my turn. Uh, Charles Lawton. It, it just, is Charles Lawton. It just took I love Charles Lawton so much, too. <laughs> All right, off to you. All right. I am going with a movie that is pretty cheesy. <laughs> it is called Waxwork. Oh, look at that movie. Which one? Which one? Which scene? Uh, in Waxwork, some people wander into a magical waxwork on... Maybe it's Halloween. It's around Halloween. Mm-hmm. They go into the haunted waxwork. And anytime you step past the ropes and into the displays, you get sucked into that universe. It's such a good... I mean, it's it, it's a good, bad movie, but it's, it's a delight. Some of, and so there's tons of vignettes. There's a werewolf story. There's a mummy story. There's a Marquis de Sade story. There's a Marquis de Sade story. And the Marquis de Sade story and the Dracula story are both two of my favorite... Are, are what make the movie for me. They are really wonderful. The The Marquis de Sade story has lines in it by, oh, look at the new girl. She gets to be beaten in front of the French prince, <laughs> which is a line that cracks me up to this day. <laughs> uh-huh. And then the other, and then there's another line in it where one of the other girls is like, well, we were all virgins once. once. And it's <laughs> so dumb. And I absolutely love that scene. And then there's another scene that's a Dracula scene, and it's um, Miles O'Keefe plays Dracula. And it's, it's a movie that I quote often, where they give this girl this bowl of just meat, and it's just so... Soaked in stage in blood, which I know is corn syrup, syrup, which is even grosser. And she's like, picks it up with her hand and blood is dripping off of it. And he says, it's the sauce that makes the dish. And I cannot stop quoting that <laughs> since the 80s. Yep. Oh. And all my friends that have seen that movie. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's shorthand for a good time. <laughs> So I highly, I really enjoy Waxworks. I think it's. I, it is so campy. It's such a product of its era, it is, and it wants to be a horror movie sometimes, and sometimes it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh. So I'm going with the Marquis de Sade. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Don't you kink shame me. <laughs> so I am going to go with. Um, I just. I don't know. I just tried to think about just scenes that stayed with me. And um, we were talking uh, with the last episode on the favorite movies of the decade. And there is a scene from The Endless. And I talked about it last week, but I don't care, oh, man. The scene. The fucking scene. So many it's, scenes in The Endless mess me up. Yeah. But the one that really, really fucked me up is The Struggle, uh, which is basically they are t- playing tug of war with the sky. They throw this piece... So like every night we gotta role. have they have the struggle, yeah. And it's it's this parable for the for fighting against things you can't control, and 
and it's it's thrown up into this dark sky. And so it's these two brothers that used to be part of this culty group when they were kids and they got away from it. And they get this video sent to them. (laughs) And so they go, they They go go back back home and the one brother kind of understands that there's a lot more peril and the the other brother kind of feels like, oh, they were just a, you know, a wacky group of people that, you know, trying to give it the best shine on that that he could. Yeah. And so he is certain because it's dark, the sky is dark as they're doing this tug of war that there's somebody up there holding. Yeah, the because they throw the rope into the sky. And it stays and there. And it stays there. And then you do this tug of war with it by yourself. No one's allowed to help. And... I think it's the peril of what could happen if this goes wrong. Of For me, it's what's holding the other end of that rope. Yes! It is 60 feet off the ground. It's not a guy on a ladder. No! On the and set, so, it was probably so a guy on a ladder. It, but. Yes, but, but if he loses, like, the first... I, mean, I always remember that sensation of they the don't first win, time. Though. And they don't. But that doesn't change that fear that I felt the first time mm-hmm. I watched yeah. it. Where I'm like, what if he loses? Yeah. What if he loses? And again, that I really like because it fits into my um, things that shouldn't be. Be, yes. The things that shouldn't be category. That always gets yeah. me. Anyway, so off to you. God, this I'm loving this episode so much. It's so much fun. All right. In, the, in Halloween, the very first Halloween, the scene where Laurie Strode is in that closet... And it's got the, uh, and it's one of those louvered closet doors. And all she has to protect herself is a coat hanger that she has untwisted. And you can see the killer walking (sighs) back and forth in front of the door. And that is just one of the, I think that's one of the scariest scenes in any film ever. For me. Other people aren't scared by it. They're like, that's dumb. But for me... That, that freaks me out. That yeah. fear of like, is he going to find me? Right, because I've been in situations yeah. not involving uh, machete-wielding psychopaths. Well, no, he didn't have a machete. He had a large kitchen knife. But, but still, I've been in scenes yeah. in situations where I was so scared that if someone heard me breathing, they would kill me. Yeah. And that scene captures that and yeah. takes me back to that. Oh, yeah. that's why it works for me. Yeah. Um, another uh, kind of beautiful movie in the same um, vein as Night of the Hunter, and yet, and also another an older movie is a movie called The Spiral Staircase. Um, in The Spiral Staircase, um, uh, I think it's set kind of at the turn of the century. Um, I can't remember. Are they? I can't remember if they're still horse drawn or if they have like it's motorized sort cars. Of late Victorian. Yeah. So, um, there are killings that are happening in this like kind of villagey kind of area, and um, a woman who's a cripple is killed, uh, and there is a woman who works as. <laughs> oh, my list too. <laughs> The, actually, it's funny because... Um, different scene? I, I don't know if it... I didn't see what scene okay. that Okay, well, go picked. ahead. Go ahead. Um, I couldn't find the video of the my, my favorite scene, so I went with my second favorite scene on it. Um, uh, so, so basically, uh, women are getting murdered that are... 
using the phrase defective in some way. They've got a, a, a something right, like you might like maybe a woman that that was deaf, amputee, or a woman who's blind, or a woman who's like got a club foot. Yes. So it is women who are not perfect in some way. And so there's a woman who, um, due to a childhood trauma, is mute, and she works um, as a. I think she's a maid. She, no, she's she's her um, companion. companion, her paid companion, for an, an elderly wealthy woman, and um, they 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 are realizing that people are getting killed, and that and who are being killed, so they are starting to realize that she could be in peril. Uh, and there is this scene. I know there's a radio in the house because yeah. we keep throughout the movie we keep getting updates from the radio. The murderer is somewhere in town. Yeah, that, you know those kind of updates. Very so, reassuring. So, so there's this scene where she is going up the spiral staircase. And she stops at this mirror and she's like flicking little bits of lint off of her dress. And then all of a sudden she just kind of looks at herself. And it's just a, a moment that you'd have like mm-hmm. if you had this yeah. huge mirror in front of you. Well, all of a sudden you see the eye of the killer staring out from the darkness. And he's, uh-huh. and he's, he's spying like behind upon a curtain her. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see her with his eyes and he sees her and her mouth is missing um, because he sees her damaged in some way. And you don't know if something's going to happen. And it's done in this beautiful stylized way um, that is just pretty amazingly well done for the time in which it came out, which I believe was in the forties. And I don't remember specifically when it might have been like 42. I don't remember. Um, the one that I couldn't find the scene for is is was yours one where she goes down into the bait to the where you go she where goes she goes suitcase. she goes somewhere and she, you just see the shadows of her hands as she's being strangled and it's stylized and, and gorgeous it and just this arty. absolute perfect black and light chiaroscuro lighting it mm-hmm. just ah uh, I might be able to find me. a single image of it and if I do yeah. I'll put it's, that up but I couldn't stunning. find a video of it. Um, I found uh, right before because she's talking about having her. She's she wants to leave the house and leave the t- leave the town, yeah. um, and she goes down to get her suitcase, and that's what just sets everything in motion. Um, the movie's fantastic because it's beautiful and stylized, but it's also got Ilsa Lanchester, who was brought up earlier, who plays this uh, drunken maid who uh, is in the house. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just a fantastic, beautiful movie. So yeah. off to you. Um, I'm going with a scene that freaked me out as a child and continues to freak me out for a long time. And that is, there's a 1970s movie called The Legacy. And it's, that has Oliver Reed in it, oh, I believe. No, no, it has Charles Gray in it. Sorry. Yes, he plays yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the And it's about man. this woman who inherits, a fa- who goes to a mansion and there's like eight other people there and one of them has inherited the mansion. They don't know who because she just kind of ended up there because she was given a job as an architect. And she's, oh, yeah. She's just traveling through with her boyfriend and they have an accident on the motorcycle. And they motorcycle end up stuck in this house. At this mansion where there's at like... At this mansion. And there's something, there's a legacy that is involved, but it's a legacy of dark power. Yep. Which, but there's a scene where she go where she's in the mansion and there's an indoor swimming pool. Oh, my. And she jumps in the pool to go swimming. And when she comes up, 
the surface is hard like glass, glass. and she is trapped under the water, yep. pounding on this piece of glass from underneath. And I'm it's telling terrifying. you, every time I have never jumped in a pool without thinking of that scene. Oh. I was I was it's, super excited. It's really it is really a good a good solid <laughs> scare. Fun and it's a and it's a fun good movie, movie too. And it's uh, it was funny because uh, that was one of the really early episodes in Switchblade Sisters as they covered the legacy, which I've never heard anybody else talk about <laughs> it outside of us. Um, yeah, and that fine. I just love the I love the final line of the movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to actually spoil that for you. We're yeah. only going to spoil a little bit, a bit of, of it. it. Because you should watch it, because it's awesome. It is a really fun. It's got naked Sam Elliott in it, so I am super. Was that pre mustache Sam Elliott? No, he had his mustache. Okay, because I've seen naked. And- I've seen naked pre mustache Sam Elliott in something. Maybe f- frogs. I know he's in I frogs. He may have a shower scene in it. <laughs> So this one is just a fucking ridiculous. It is it is so fucking ridiculous. And and I am absolutely not that person who revels over deaths and and gore. But sometimes but there s- are some there are some deaths that are just amazing. The opening scene of Ghost Ship. And I have talked about this like five different oh, times. Oh, that's the thing with the cable? The cable and it kills everyone except for so they they have this cruise ship where they're having the captain's party and everybody and they've got a singer who's singing right, and they're loud all music. up on the deck. They're all dancing and this cable snaps across the entire crowd just murdering yeah, everyone. just slices it, everyone it, standing it, there in it, half it, except for one little girl, girl who's who too is short. a little too short and it shows everybody like falling apart and just the the this like shocked awe on people's faces or this picture of like this woman uh-huh. who's kind of like trying to tug her lower yeah. body over to her and and it's just such a shocking open to a movie that the rest of the movie doesn't really live up to, but I don't care. <laughs> it's just, it's just so fucking awesome. I I watched Ghost Ship recently, and I watched Thirteen Ghosts because I was just I was having uh-huh. days where I was doing stuff, and I'm like, you know what? This is what I this is what I'm emotionally capable of today, and this is what I'm up for. <laughs> so off to you. Oh. So much pressure. Is I'm trying to find something. Okay, this isn't a specific scene. It is a thing that happens throughout a movie, but I really, really liked it. Okay. And the movie is Tigers Are Not Afraid, and it is that stream of blood that follows that little girl from the crime scene. <sighs> She's Someone gets murdered by a drug cartel. Well, this little girl is walking home, and there's a puddle of blood around the body, and as she walks, some of it runs off, and it follows her for the rest of the film. And she goes home, and her parents aren't home. And they have been murdered by the drug cartel, and then she ends up living with this group of street children. But the blood follows her throughout the movie, and it is a really great visual. Yeah. So I've only got four more left. Okay. Are you good with that? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Uh, my next one is one that I actually have a hand-drawn uh, picture of, and it is the nurse's station in Exorcist 3. <laughs> uh, there is this, because there are these murders that are going on, you're kind of in and out of this hospital. And it's uh, a couple of the characters from the original Exorcist. Um, it is the uh, police officer 
and uh, one of the other priests. And uh, but there is this scene at the nurse's station, and it's so innocuous because you're staring down this hallway, mm-hmm. and and, and somebody's nurse, walking. This nurse leaves the nurse station, and she kind of walks op- over to this door. And she opens it, she unlocks it, and she opens Uh it, and she kind of, like, goes in for a minute. And that moment while she's in the door, like, people are kind of in the back. Like, there's a police officer that walks through, there's, like, Uh custodians and other nurses. people moving around through the building. And and you keep kind of seeing them come in and exit, and and it it just seems so random. And then she comes out, she relocks the door, and she starts walking away, and as she does this this, um, robed sheet-covered figure lunges towards her with these ginormous fucking scissors, these, like, giant rib-cutting scissors that they kind of showed earlier yeah, in the movie. they're big chrome-plated movie rib-cutting scissors. scissors. In real life, they do not use scissors they're like this bad, to, for anything. fucking monstrously huge. And the shot immediately cuts to this decapitated statue. You don't see anything happen. To this but, woman. But, oh my god, is it scary. Because it's just, it's just terrifying. because the movie's been going pretty slow till then, and then all of a sudden Bam. this happens, yeah. and now we're looking at a statue. <laughs> it's one of the best. Yeah, it, it was also on my list because because <laughs> it's just a fucking awesome because it's thing. an awesome scene, and also it's an amazing movie that I love. I have the Scream Factory version of that that they just did. Mm, I'm not I watching it again. Watched. I gotta I sleep. It yet. <laughs> that was Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie. Oh. Whoa. All right, if we're going to go talking, I mean, we've talked about 50s horror. We've talked about some 70s horror. I'm going to go with 80s horror. And the movie I'm going to talk about is John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. That scene where they do the blood test. Oh, my God. Is so tense. Okay, they've got like five or six people in a room. They know that one of them is not a person, but is a monster in a person. in disguise as a person. And they know that this monster's blood will react negatively if they put a hot needle in it. So everybody donates some blood and they got these little trays of blood and he walks up to every person, heats the wire, and while he's looking at them, puts it in the blood. And nothing happens. And then somebody else. And nothing happens. And you're, and it's, it's but every, but every single time they give you enough time to think about what would happen if it was this guy. Yeah. And these are all, I mean, there's not a lot of characters in this film. So these are all people that know each other. These are people that we know because we've had time to get used to their characters. Yeah. And then finally the, they do put the needle in the blood and the blood and in a moment the person that whose blood it was isn't a person anymore they're just this horrible deformed rubber screaming monster that gets um and they get hit with a flamethrower and then their head comes off and spider legs sprout out of it and it runs away and it runs away no thank you And everyone has seen that scene a million times. I'm not I'm not introducing anyone to this scene that hasn't seen it. But dude, isn't that an awesome scene? It is an awesome scene. It is scene. so good. <laughs> um a, a personal favorite of mine is a um 
an Asian movie called The Eye. And I can't remember if it's Thai. I think it might be Thai. Um, so basically, there's this young woman who has been blind since she was two years old. And I think she's a cellist, maybe a violinist. I, I don't remember. She is a musician. And there is a, she, she qualifies and gets a corneal transplant, which gives her back her sight for the first time in her living memory. Um, except she really doesn't have any experience with seeing anything. Um, and slowly over the course of the movie starts realizing she's seeing things that aren't, that other people aren't seeing. Um, and that they are ghosts that she is seeing. And there is this moment where she, uh, is waiting in her apartment building for an elevator. And there is a, a video outside of the elevator where you can see inside the elevator as you're waiting for it. And she looks in and there is this elderly man standing facing the corner. But when she looks up at the video camera, he's, he's not, not there. there. Nope. Yep. And so this couple gets in the elevator and she refuses. And they're like, well, whatever, lady. We got places uh -huh. to go. We can't wait for you to be yeah. fucking weird right now. So that goes away, and then the elevator comes back, and, and you can tell she's just kind of, like... Freaking out. She is. She's freaking out, but she's also like, I need to go up in the fucking elevator. Yeah, I... You know, I just... I need to I just, have yeah, shit I, to do. Yep. And so she gets in it, and she's facing towards the door of the elevator, and you see the old man in the corner just slowly start drifting. His feet are a little bit above the ground. No. With his toes And he slowly slides behind her and is like sliding around in front. And it's just the most horrifying thing. Yeah. Because it's working like he's not supposed to. It's not supposed to work because like that. Because you should not know we do not have floating old men in our elevators. Yes, who you can't see their faces because what's going to be on that face yeah, we don't know because it's yeah. terrifying. And it's that's just the thing that, that scares kind of, you the most is what is that face going to look like? Yeah. And he could turn around and look like like Captain Kangaroo or something. I know, he could but do, you he know could he's not little, gonna. You know that hearts. face is. You know the little, that face. The, little, the Asian yeah. hearts that they make when they take pictures with their fingers. Yeah, and maybe he's a super cute little old man. Yeah, who just happens to float. But you know that's not going to be, be what happens. happens. No, he's, no, he's going to be something. He's going to have abysses eyes. Yeah, he's going to have something bad. It's going to happen there. It's going to be terrible. So anyway. Oh man, I'm running low. I haven't talked about everything on my list. Um, another thing that shouldn't be Ugh. the Argentinian movie Terrified. Oh, Jesus. there's a thing under a bed. It shouldn't fit under the bed. It, it just does. kind of unfolds up from under the bed, and it's <sighs> big and tall and human-sized. And there's no room under the bed for something that size to be crawling out. And also crawling out in that manner and yeah i almost <laughs> there's some really scary stuff in that movie but that scene scares me still because when i'm home alone in the house like, that's what i think is under yeah. my couch mm. i'm gonna switch my last two because i'm gonna go with the really really fun one first all right and then end with the like super classic one after okay i'll do a fun one next too so my super, super fun one is from Battle Royale, and it's when they get the rules. So in Battle Royale, there are a group of school children that are on their way for a school trip, and then suddenly they're all sedated, and they wake up in this big classroom with a former teacher of theirs. And they all have 
these thick necklaces on and are, are slowly being introduced to the fact that their class has been nominated. Um, and, and yes, and uh, that they're all going to get to fight to the death on this uh, like five kilometer island. Um, and, and one of them has to win and all the rest of them have to lose. Um, the teacher, uh, their teacher stands up and starts decrying this happening to them, that this shouldn't happen. It's not fair. And their former teacher shoots him and kills him. Uh So at this point, their teacher has been murdered in front of them. And their former teacher comes up and turns on a videotape. Of a incredibly, incredibly happy cheerful young Asian girl who is explaining to them all the rules, the rules of how they're going to kill, and and one of them has to survive. You each get a backpack. And you get a backpack with a weapon in it. And one of them is super lucky, and it is incongruous. Uh-huh. And the thing is, all of a sudden, uh, one of the girls starts whispering to the other girls to one of her girlfriends, and this former teacher, like fucking flips out and throws a knife that impales her head. Mm-hmm. And all you get is a pop-up that says she's the first student death. Oh, yeah. And so... You get a little pop-up on each screen that tells you who's how and, many people and I think are dead. potentially how many are left to kill. I like, think so, yeah. Um, it is a movie that is much more fun and much less fun than you would expect. Yeah. It would be really easy to mess that movie up. And it's done really and well. And it's done so well. And... It is, I I have always been super impressed with that movie in the fact that there are a whole bunch of characters who you potentially would or wouldn't like, and they give you this, it's like a character amuse-bouche in this tiny mm-hmm. little, this tiny little bite of who they are, Right. where you realize they might be horrible, but there's... They've suffered mm-hmm. in some way. And yeah. They, but they give each of these kids a little bit of humanity. And it's it's a really, really fun, well-done movie. Um, a lot of the movies that were big with uh, the huge uh, late 90s and very early 2000s that all had this horror bent were really talking about how there was a huge economic crisis in Japan. And the adults of Japan were in a lot of ways really frightened of their children. Oh, yeah. There was a big generation gap going on. Yeah. Because, because the adults were very traditional. And they, the young kids were not. Right. And it was like in like the 1920s. Yeah. People who grew up in the Victorian era and were very proper suddenly don't understand flappers. Yep. And they seem almost monstrous in, in their mm-hmm. in their. Foolishness their and their terrible decadence, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it's 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 just it's a it's a violent moment um, that is offset with this frivolity of this young woman who's so fucking adorable. Uh huh. Yeah. So, all right. There's a cat's tail near my face. Get away from the microphone. <laughs> I have things to say. <laughs> Oh, you got, I got a, a silent, kitty. You got a silent meow. <laughs> and there's a loud. Oh, there's a loud meow. Um. All right, I'm going to go back to another one of the Edgar Allan Poe movies, mm-hmm. and that's going to be Mask of the Red Death. I like Mask of the Red Death because the Satanists are so unrepentant. 
There is a scene where the prince's wife yes. goes into a room and pledges her soul to Satan forever and then brands an upside down cross on her chest. And she is so enthusiastic about it. I just find it absolutely hilarious and fun to watch. Has beautiful. It is just beautiful. And uh <laughs> it, it's I don't know it's a dumb movie. Tonight. It is a <laughs> dumb movie and I chose that. My other choice was going to be the scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 where the DJ is on the radio and Crop Top comes in and tries to attack her and it is hilarious because she's laying with she's got her legs spread and he's clearly using the chainsaw as a phallic symbol and it is so blatantly obvious it's yeah. not it's on purpose <laughs> and it's just it kind of gives me life that scene it's just that whole movie is ridiculous and over the top and i'm not sure it's supposed to be a horror movie it reminds me of a Spanish film like Acción Mutante. It's yeah. just crazy from beginning to end. And that scene is one of the highlights of the craziness. All right. I did not, by any means, put this in a, like, this is my favorite. But this is a fucking awesome scene. All so right. Let's, in, let's hear it. In the movie, Rebecca. <gasps> oh, Rebecca. Yeah. I know the scene. Rebecca... Finally, so Rebecca is a young woman who has married this older rich man who is a uh, a widower. Actually, Rebecca is the ex is the dead wife. Oh, ex. Uh, well, it is the story of a young woman who marries right. an older right, rich right. man. Um, and he has a a wife who has passed away named Rebecca, and uh, they fall in love, and uh, he she goes off to live with him at at his. Uh, estate, I guess you would call it. And he's got this uh, woman who, who lives there who managed the house when Rebecca was still alive. Uh, isn't it like, ha oh gosh, Mrs. Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Danvers. Um, so you kind of get the impression that she does not improve of new, the new wife and still like holds a special place in her. Yeah, you get earlier on that she kind of holds a special place in her heart for the former mistress of, of the manor. But you don't really understand. Until... You don't really understand until one day she finally sneaks into Rebecca's wing of the house. Right. The young wife does, not the, young, the housekeeper. The, yes, the young wife sneaks in there. And everything is just as Rebecca left it. And all of a sudden... Is it Mrs. Danvers? It's Mrs. Danvers, yes. Okay. And, um... Because Danny... Danny... Uh -huh. Um, is the Danny is it's what Rebecca called Mrs. Danvers. Well, she she cared for her, and so what she does is she's like, you know, I've known you wanted to come in here, and I've been waiting. I would have shown it to you at any time, uh -huh. and she starts showing her all of, of Rebecca's, Rebecca's things. beautiful things, and she sh takes her through these closets of her things, and and her clothes, and this whole time she is practically just... deifying the dead wife. She's like, she was so perfect and beautiful, and wonderful in every way, and and 
where you, it, it starts, it, you're like, okay, this is kind of weird and kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> but it just, like, every time it couldn't double down, it does. To this scene where she embroidered this beautiful pillow for her in which it holds her transparent nighty. Yes. And look at this beautiful nightgown. You could see your so hand. So sheer, you can see, see right hand. through it. And I'm like, uh-huh. I bet you could. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought you, you know, really loved your mistress, but apparently you <laughs> Oh, yeah. Very, she mistress. is. She, that character is one of the finest coded, coded lesbians, lesbians in all filmdom. Filmdom, yes. And it's just, you can tell even years after she's passed that it's just nothing has, has, you know, she literally, the moment where the, the new wife moves the brush and she puts it back. This is where she placed it. Yes. It's just. She picks up a hairbrush. She looks at it and she puts it down on the table and Mrs. Danvers runs over and corrects it. Yes, because that's not where she would have put it down. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole movie is, yeah, and it's supposed to be, I mean, a lot of it is about this woman who's grown up poor moving into this amazing mansion where she doesn't feel at home and where she feels like she's living in the shadow of the former wife. Because she is. It's a Hitchcock film. It's one and of the few of his really like. good. Yeah. Um, there are some unfortunate things about it. Mm. The uh, way that the actress was treated on set. Mm. She was... Hitchcock wasn't kind to his uh, his actresses. No. And, and he was especially cruel. Yeah. And the leading man her. is Laurence Olivier. And he treated her like garbage the whole time. Because basically they didn't believe she could act. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, she'll be much better if she's really upset than if she pretends to be upset. And I'm like, dude, that is just horrible. Yeah, there was, I can't remember what movie they were talking about. This interview that I heard recently where um, they talked about, oh, it was in Carrie. Where, oh. He kept really, uh, the really nice girl who, mm-hmm. who is still part of who picks on her, but is the one who tries to make her feel better and sends her off to prom with his date. And from what I gather, they kept like, he kept being really, really mean and saying really fucking nasty insults to her to upset her so she would cry. To the actress? Yeah. To, um, I'm trying to remember her name. And she was like, he could have just said, we want you to tear up here. And I would have, cause I'm a fucking actress. Uh huh. But instead, instead of saying, you know, I trust you to do your work. Right. I'm going to insult you so you cry because you fucking hate me. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Anyway. So anyway, Rebecca's awesome. You watch it. Um, but uh, do you have a final scene? Um, are you good? I think I'm done. All right. I mean, I can think of a million other scenes that I love. But you're good? I love <laughs> Ken russell scenes in Ken Russell films. The more There's Ken Russell, way the better. too many of those. <laughs> All right. Well, that's so, yeah. This has been an awesome fucking episode. So I'm, I'm delighted, and I'm going to put together a little playlist of yours. I wrote them down for you Even in better. order so that you could find them and make a playlist. I will for Rise. All right, you guys have a great two weeks, and we'll see you then. Yay! Yay! Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at DRTL Podcast, 
on Tumblr or at facebook.com slash don't read the Latin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and themes about us. We're dying to meet them. Ha, 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 ha.